Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 307 Podcast. Get ready for an awesome interview with Becca Jones and Jill today. Uh, this is going to be all about balancing uh, strength and endurance training and ultra running and all that good stuff that you guys love. I hope it inspires you guys to get out and run and train and work hard. Before we jump into the interview, I want to let you guys know we are doing some new stuff over on Patreon right now, okay? So Patreon is a private platform where we have uh, a little over 300 members now it allows us to communicate freely and openly. Um, I am hosting a new show on Patreon specifically for our members called Nuff Said, where we look at current events and things going on in the world. I try to give you guys a unfiltered uh, Christian uh, common sense view on what I see happening. It's a pretty fun show, and I think our patrons are enjoying that. Uh, we're doing a bunch of other stuff too, content-wise. Uh, today, I'm going to be filming a video for our patrons about the 307 Project trail race that's coming up. They had the opportunity to submit questions, and I'm doing a special video on them. Uh, as far as training for the race, uh, what the race is going to be like, what to expect, gear, and answering any questions that they have on that, guys. So uh, another thing you'll notice in this podcast, we are now allowing our patrons, when we have guests that come on the 307 Podcast, our patrons will be able to submit questions to present to the guests that are coming on the podcast. Everyone on Patreon is essentially invested into 307 Project. Uh, in, in a sense, you have a piece of ownership of what we do, and we want to pour into you guys. So we appreciate your support. If you want to join us on Patreon, go check it out. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. Uh, why are we doing this? Well, Patreon has a pretty cool app that works essentially like a social media app. What I'm trying to create on Patreon is a page that you guys can go to where every post is either going to offer you an opportunity, it's going to teach you something, it's going to answer some question for you, it's going to provide some value to you, uh, and you're not going to see a bunch of bullcrap. When I started Instagram, uh, my Instagram profile about three years ago, uh, it was it was a little different than it seems now. I notice when I scroll Instagram or any social media now, it's full of just ads and click and buy and 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 all this superfluous bullcrap. And I'm just about sick of it. So I think that we can do it better on Patreon. Uh, it's also not censored, so we can have real conversation and comments and uh, share. Uh, real ideas over there, all right? The other thing that we've been doing for quite a while now is Resurrected, which is a weekly live show where we present a Bible-based message and then we have conversation afterwards, and that is live on Sunday nights, three Sundays a month. So we look forward to seeing you guys over there. That's where I'm going to start moving a lot of my content and um, that's where I'm going to start focusing my interaction uh, with the body of 307 Project is going to be over there on Patreon. We love you guys. Uh, I guess the other thing, the 307 Project Trail Race, that's an eight-hour, a six-hour, and a four-hour, as many miles as you can accumulate in that time, depending on which time you sign up for. It's going to be right here in Northwest Georgia on one of my favorite trails 
in the area that we live on or in. It's an awesome course. This is a great race for you. Uh, no matter what level you are in your, your running ability, right? Because it's a timed race, okay? So you can push as hard as you want and you're going to have an aid station and a a place to kind of recuperate if need be every four miles, okay? So that loop is four miles. It's a hundred percent trail. It's a absolutely beautiful place to run, uh, challenging, and we love putting this race on. Last year, it was an unbelievable event, Uh, just to get everybody together in one place where we can push, where we can grow, where we can see each other face-to-face. Go check it out. It's on Ultra Sign Up. You can register now. That'll be in the show notes of this episode. We hope to see you there. Without further ado, here is this interview with Becca and Jill. It's fun. It's funny. uh, And a lot of good information. Enjoy it. Got it. Okay. We are... We're live on the 307 Podcast. We don't warm up on the 307 Podcast. We just jump right into it because I know you guys are busy ladies. Uh, I tried to get this interview lined up yesterday. Becca is always, Becca's easy because Becca loves the 307 Podcast. Jill, she said, well, now, how long is this going to take? Because, uh, you know, I got I got other stuff to do than come She's a busy bull woman. crap with you on a podcast, Chad. People, people don't do well on oh crap people don't do well on no notice oh hey, yeah that did is, you drop everything you're doing in 10 hours that is true i was surprised i got you guys on because i yeah you had a what a 12 hour notice so it's awesome thank you guys so much for coming on uh by the way if you're listening to this we've got becca jones uh becca jones is a close friend of mine uh, she is the creator, founder, and race director of the Mid-State Mile. She's an ultra-running coach. She is so involved in the ultra-running community, probably more so than anybody else that I know. Becca is everywhere and always helping and always pouring into other people. We love her. One of the things that I love most about Becca, one of the thing I'm going to go ahead and say it. Becca has found some way to exist some there between this she's this i i can't explain this there are people out there that can't figure out whether they hate becca or they love becca they can't figure it out they they she she she's just on their mind all the time and they're so upset because they don't know whether they want to hate her or love her she's figured out how this awesome unique way to be she's authentic she's authentic and then like you see her and you hug her and she's so cute and 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 nice and then you go look at her strava page and you're like whoa what the crap is going on with this people can't figure you out man and i love it you know why i love it because there's people out there if everybody likes you i don't trust you there's something wrong with you if everybody likes you you're just too vanilla if everybody likes you. And that's why I like Becca Jones, man. She got some sass, son. We got Jill on. Jill is making some big waves in the ultra running community. She came out of nowhere. Jill's not only an ultra runner. She's a CrossFit coach. She's a certified personal trainer. She's a nutrition coach. 
um, and probably many other things that I don't even know because it's my first time getting to talk to Jill in person. But she came out of nowhere at the Mid-State Mile in 2022, and I'm watching her on there. For all y'all that don't know, I was watching the Mid-State Mile. I wasn't commenting. I wasn't jumping in. I was watching closely, though. And she just keeps showing up every daggone lap, and she just looks strong. She doesn't... Jill, what impressed me about Jill, she don't look like your Courtney DeWalter, like a string bean. She looks strong, man. She's got muscles, and she's just... uh, She's just built, and she kept showing up, and I was like, wow, first female at Mid-State Mile, and then I I don't know what you did between Mid-State Mile and the Georgia Jewel, but Georgia Jewel just this past weekend, you took second place female, is that right, and third place yeah. overall Yeah. in the 50-mile distance, so making big waves. I'm so happy to have you guys on. Y'all got anything to say? That was a long introduction. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. I mean, that sounded about right. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, is a lot of people don't know like who I am, and so that kind of is something cool that I like is I just show up to these races, and I just try, I'm very competitive, so it's kind of cool because no one knows who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jill also did do a hundred miler a few weeks ago. She ran Eastern State and took third female, also. Good so, lord. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that on your post, Becca. Um, that uh, that's that's the reason I knew she did something in between, um, and we're going to dig into how Jill did that here in just a minute. Oh, this is the perfect uh, this is the perfect time to also announce the three hundred seven project trail race just went live today on Ultra Sign Up. So if you guys want to race with us this November, come on out, I, Jill. I hope to see you there, Becca. I hope to see you there. Um, Brooke has designed a brutal course, uh, and she's got an eight-hour, a six-hour, and a four-hour option, as many miles as you can accumulate. If you're going to get 50K plus on this course in eight hours, you're going to have to work, son. So that just went live on Ultra Sign Up today. It's just under 307 Project Trail Race. Um, I got a few questions for you guys. This is from our Patreon members, all right? And these are really good questions. So Patreon is where people come to support 307 Project, and we have a private platform on there. I told them yesterday that you guys were coming on the 307 Podcast. They were super pumped, and they submitted some questions. So here's the first one. Uh, I really like this question from Annie. Annie is a good friend of mine, uh, and she is just getting into running, all right? I just saw on Instagram yesterday she just did a seven-mile run, which is a big deal. She's just getting into running. She wanted to know what would be, this is for Becca and for Jill. I know this is a tough one for you guys maybe to answer, but what would be your biggest piece of advice for, Annie says specifically a woman, but I would say anyone, who is just getting started running? Biggest piece of advice. Uh, biggest piece of advice would be strength training. Women naturally have endurance, but the muscle need more muscular strength, especially for the longer distances. Strength training is one of the biggest things that women can do to completely transform their running. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say like for me, I'm very new to this. Like I just got into trail running literally a year ago, pretty much a little over a year ago, like a year and a half, maybe. Um, but I would say as far as, like, the mental aspect is 
you know, each time you go into it, whether it's like every week, I would just say, Hey, can I get one more mile in? Or can I get maybe a little bit faster? But some people like they'll compare themselves to me. Like I had a girl yesterday was like, yeah, I mean, the longest I ever did was 25 K my goal is to do, you know, Eastern States. But I'm like, you know, be proud of yourself that you did 25 K. I know people have never done a mile. So, you know, whether you can you know, take small steps, so whether it's one more mile each week, um, but just don't kill yourself by going to like five more miles every week, just small steps. Yeah. That's mm. solid right there. Yeah, that is key. And I think both the pieces of advice that you guys offered are going to help someone who's just getting into running prevent injury, right? So like Becca said, mm -hmm. strength training paired with Jill's advice of not trying to pile on too many miles all at once. I mean, when you're talking about ultra running, Jill, I agree with you. I think you you are, when you first get into running, you need to be looking at uh, five, six, seven years of, of work and allowing your body to adapt and your bones to harden and your, your muscles to change and all that. And people look at me, I haven't been ultra running that long, a few years, but what I have behind me is a decade of running and fitness in the SEAL teams that, mm -hmm. that preceded my ultra running. So it might look like some of some of us just jump right into it and we come on the scene out of nowhere, but I would bet Jill and I would bet Becca, you guys have years and years of training and running and being on your feet before you ever showed up on the ultra running scene. And if you jump into it too fast and you think you can just, whoa, I'm just going to pile all these miles on, then you get injured, then you're out of the game and you may never come back. So super right. good, super good stuff, man. All right. Another question right here. This is from Buddy Slimmer. Okay, Buddy asked, I, and I want to hear this. Jill, you just ran the 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 fifty miler at Georgia Jewel, and what was your time? Nine hours and thirty eight minutes. Nine hours thirty eight minutes. That's a fast fifty miler, especially a trail fifty. That's fast. Um, but Buddy wants to know, Becca, you've done, you've been in the pain cave before too. You've been in the pain cave. Buddy wanted to know what are some coping skills that you use when you get in the freaking pain cave, man? Like what what do you do to cope with that just when when the bones in your legs feel like they're about to break or you get behind on calories or you hit that point where you just don't want to run anymore? How do you cope with that and how do you keep going? Like what's a tool that you guys use? That's what Buddy wants to know. Um, you know, for me, and he is right, I've definitely been in the pain cave. It is focusing on the smallest thing. Like, you know, you hear the next step and yeah, that's correct. But, you know, sometimes I talk out loud, like your mind wants to wonder and start going to other things and you need to be present in that moment and engage. Like I'm saying, get to that tree, stay focused on the trail. Um, another thing we just talked about the other day is, um, I make everything work for me. I meet no adversity out there. Everything is working in my favor. I'm like, oh, it's storming. This is great. Everybody's going to slow down. I'm going to keep moving. This is going to be awesome. Oh, it's 95 degrees. Great. I stay cool. I don't get hot. Like, man, they're going to suffer, but this is all going my way. All right. Like, I frame everything, whether it's a lie or it's true, everything works for me and I draw energy from that. So I'm always at the advantage and everyone else has the disadvantage. That's, <laughs> That's one of my coping mechanisms. That's perfect, Becca. Me and you are in alignment <laughs> on that. What about you, Jill? 
Uh, for me, I'm super hard on myself. So, and like Becca heard me during the race, like I, I just tell myself like, suck it up. Like Jill, you gotta suck it. Like I had some blisters on my toes. I would like stub my toe a lot of times. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but then a lot of times I always think that my mom passed away about six and a half years ago. So I always think like, you know, you're still present. You're here. Like your body is able to do this. And there's other people who one aren't alive or who just, you know, physically, mentally, whatever cannot do this. So, you know, you have the opportunity right now, like you paid for this, you were able to do this. So, you know, push yourself um, to do this. It's like only pain in that temporary moment, you know, you'll get through this and it's going to feel better at the finish line. So um, I always tell myself, like, you got to do this. Sometimes I look up and like, mom, you got to get me through this. Um, and then another thing is, I'm always asking, especially when I have a pacer tonight, because I'm like, when is the next aid station? Because if I know it's five miles away, then it's like, all right. You only got five more miles till you get to that aid station to basically take another deep breath and then it's on to the next one. So that's it. That really helped me during my hundred miler um, because the aid stations are about five to eight miles apart. So if I knew it was only about five miles, it was like, all right, you just got to run five miles. That's all you got to do. And then you're at that next aid station. So I try to think very small steps at a time. Mm. Yep. These are universal keys to, these are literally everyone that competes at this level, we're all using these same tools, right? Mm -hmm. So buddy, that's a great question, but yes, break things down into small digestible segments, get control of your rudder. And like Becca said, no matter what the conditions are, understand that everyone out there is dealing with the same conditions that you are. And it's your perspective on that challenge, that challenging condition, whether it's heat, whether it's cold, whether it's a hill, whether it's nighttime, whether it's rain, it's your perspective on that that's going to push you further, faster than the rest of the people out there. Man, I love you guys. <laughs> All right. Okay, this is a question from Becca, and then we're going to dig into some more conversational type stuff. This is another question from our Patreon. This is from Joey Yeager. Becca, is it time for Chad to return and reclaim his title and set a new course record at the Mid-State Mile? Uh, of course uh, you would choose yeah. that question. I, I don't think it's time yet, though, Becca. <laughs> it is. I, I, th I think it is. Uh, to see you and Ultra Dad. Oh, it'd be Justin, a brutal race. It would, it would be. Somebody it, might die. It would be epic. <laughs> he's, it would be fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Sweet. All right. I want to get in. I want to get to know Jill a little bit better. Um, Jill, I just want you to give me uh, an idea or give the listeners um, an idea of who you are. So when we see you on social media and we see you running, you're not just you're not just some lady that's running really well. Like, who are you and what what's kind of your story and why are you doing what you're doing now? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I got into trail running. I guess my first trail race was um, April of 2021. So, I mean, just very recently. Um, you know, I lived in Florida for six years after college. And eventually got laid. I've always been, like, personal trainer, CrossFit stuff. Uh, eventually got laid off um, with my corporate job there. So, moved back home to Pennsylvania when I did that, it was very hard for me to find a job, but we have a cabin up there in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. And so 
I pretty much lived up there for a while. And one of the races up there, Heiner, uh, there's a 25K and a 50K. Um, they opened up spots. So I decided I've always wanted to do this race. So I signed up. It was a month before the 25K. I had no trail shoes. Like, I, I had nothing. I, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I knew a little bit about the race, but... Um, so I just went into it, and um, within my first 25K, I got second place female. I was only, like, two minutes behind the first place girl. And that just kind of, like, lit a spark under my ass because I was like, all right, I can, like, hang with it. So that summer then I signed up for a few more races, like, got first place female and just really enjoyed it. And um, and I've always just done CrossFit and tying both of those into it, like the strength training and stuff, just really um, – paired well with the running it made me a stronger runner i think um just because i was able to last long um with that stuff eventually then i moved down here to tennessee and to nashville and i like was telling beck and them it was a rough start for me i just i didn't know anybody at all and um you know i wasn't going out wasn't really doing much and then this day came around and i just told them i was like it really changed my life because i met like my people um you know, they became really good friends to me. Those guys, basically the last six or seven of us who were left at Mid-State, um, we became super close. And then, again, that kind of, like, sparked me. And I was like, okay, I did really great here. Um, and then I wanted to, like, sign up for races very last minute. So then, like, the 100-miler, I signed up two weeks before my 100-miler and had no really real training and um just kind of went into it and again became like third female so i just i just i'm very competitive and um i just like to go into these things but yeah i coach personal training and stuff now coach basic crossfit types of classes and i'm just one that just wants to always help people and um you know show people that if you really put your mind to it you can do stuff that you know you don't think you can do so yeah well, Jill, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to ask you, what's, what is the strategy behind signing up for races last minute for you? Because uh, I tend to like that too. I may cross the bridge when it, when it gets there type of guy. Like, oh man, I feel like doing a race. Let me see what's happening next weekend. So is that your yeah. style or is that on accident? Or do you think there's an advantage or disadvantage to that kind of strategy for you? Because yeah. it seems to be working for you. Honestly, it's kind of been by accident. Like with the 100 miler, uh, they had spots open up last minute, and technically you had to have like a 50 miler to, um, to register. And I didn't get the 50 until mid state. So, and that was, when was it? June, June. So, yeah, I mean, and so I couldn't really technically register until I got, you know, at least a 50 miler. I, di I didn't do my first ultra until April this year was my 50K. So, um, so yeah, um, I think I kind of like doing last minute because I don't, I have really bad anxiety and if I think about it too much, then I'll be like questioning myself like, oh my gosh, like people sign up, uh, you know, a year in advance and they start, they go and they practice these trails. Like I went into Georgia Jewel not knowing a damn thing. Like I didn't know anything about the trail um, and I signed up for that one about a month ago and it's not bad. I mean, I think there's pros, like pros and cons to it both, but for me, I kind of like sign up last minute, to be honest. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I think for me, I, I'm the same way, Jill, and I, I really enjoy that because 
I'm like you. I feel like a lot of times runners, especially ultra runners, they sign up way, way in advance and they begin to overthink the race mm-hmm. and they and the race gets closer and closer and they've been anticipating it for so long and then they start to beat themselves up because they feel like they are not as prepared as they could possibly be but the reality yeah. of it is when you're running uh when i mean yes you have to be fit but like anytime you sign up for for any sort of race or, or challenge or whatever you've got to be okay with showing up on race day in the condition that you're in and you've got to be okay with just doing the best that you can do on that day. You've got to reconcile with that, man. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you, you know, you can't, you can't get so bent out of shape and spend a year training for this thing, and then it just the anxiety, like you said, Jill. I think it just wears on you, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's different strokes for different folks, but that's the way I operate too. I, I'm, I'm exactly like that, and. Becca, I want to ask you, and then I'm going to give Brooke a chance to ask a few questions. I want to ask you, as you saw, I didn't get to be there to see kind of what Jill was doing at Mid-State this year to to be so successful. Um, And by the way, Jill, what was harder? What you did at Mid-State Mile or Eastern States? Um, that's a tough one. You know, I was more sore after mid-state. I'll, okay. just, I'll be honest. Um, but Eastern State, I did, I don't know, because I got really tired at Eastern State. Like, I was sleepwalking and running. And I was tired during mid-state. Um, but I think because, I mean, I was up pretty much since 3 a.m. My race started at 5 a.m. there. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, a, I don't know. I mean, I had, it was like 27. No, I guess Missy was more elevation game. We had about 21,000 in Pennsylvania. So it's still a lot, but I don't, I, I thought, uh, I don't know. It's a okay. hard one to say. They're just different. They, I agree. They're, yeah, they're just different. Yeah, different types of course. Yeah. So Becca, what did you see out of Jill? Like, what was she doing right um, from a mindset perspective, from a from a just a, a, a actual me- mechanical or physical perspective, what did she do right out at Mid State Mile? Because I know you as the race director, your I think your favorite part about race directing at the Mid State Mile, I, I don't I can't speak for you, but one of your favorite parts is definitely watching the runners and picking the runners apart and and seeing the different strategies. So what did you see out of Jill that, that just made her so successful that day? Well, first off, you are correct. That is like my favorite part of watching and picking apart what people are doing right, what they're doing wrong, whose strategy is going to work, how it might work against them, or what point it won't work anymore. One of the things Jill did right was she let the energy carry her. She let the energy of that group be something that kept filling her cup because there were a bunch of times she kind of, she's like nah guys I'm done but it was still like with a smile and like with happiness she was never whining or crying like even when it hurt and it was hard she was always really positive and she was like you know I can climb and she knew she could climb and she you know was happy about that she was looking at all the wins whether she thought that way or not like she was always 
voicing and sharing what was working. And that's a really powerful tool, even though people may not realize it in that moment, how important it is to keep speaking all those positive things into existence and making sure that they stay present in your mind. And, um, you know, at one point she said, all right, guys, I can't do like faster than like an 18 minute mile. And they all were like, okay, well, that's what we were going to do. Like she always talked about what she needed or what she could do. And they were all surrounded with this, like, we're going to do this together. And I think that that really helped Carrie to feel, you know, I'm not safe, but like supported and like we're in this. So I think she did good to feed into that group because she was constantly talking to other people too. Like you can do this. Like everyone had their low moments. Lucas had low moments, but I don't think he ever said it or at least I never heard it. Or not. That's Lucas for you. <laughs> yeah. But everybody else, uh, Eric was pretty quiet, but um, yeah, everyone else really talked through it. And yeah, I could hear her voice as they're climbing up just, offering up encouragement and she really just stayed present in the positivity i think was one of the, the things she did the most right mm, that's because key. to her credit like i mean she was like i have no idea what i'm doing you know she didn't have nutrition dialed in she didn't have anything like that but she had a good head on her shoulders that's awesome that's awesome where where did that like positivity and and that that tool that you utilized jill where did you learn that has it always been a part of your life or like being well, able to I channel think it's that. Also just like, I think it's like the competitiveness too. It's just like, I grew up with my brother. I grew up with uh, like all boy cousins pretty much. And my dad was always very competitive. So it was just, I grew up pretty much like I was very athletic. Um, so like not giving up, like that was just never in my book. Like, you know, so um, I always just learned like, I got to hang with the boy. So once I dropped, no offense to Leah. Once she dropped, she was the last girl. I was like, all right, I got this. So now it's just, okay, how much can I hang with the boys? So, yeah, like she said, as long as I can stay positive, because I'm, I'm a big, like, mindset, like, mental health person. I truly believe, like, if you tell yourself, like, you're in pain, yeah, you're going to be in pain. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you've got to keep pushing, you know. And it's like now I, I, I like, now I'm glad how I did, but then I'm like, if I just got to a hundred, <laughs> so, but that'll be next year. There <laughs> yeah. you go. That's time. awesome. Hey, boo, I'm going to turn it over to you for uh, any questions that you have for Jill or Becca. Cause I've been talking their ear off, by the way, I could literally question you guys and talk your ear off for a long, long time. So I'm going to be a little selfless and Brooke, Brooke usually has better questions anyway. So. I was writing down my questions because I assumed you would forget no, that no. you were going to give me time to ask questions, and I was afraid I was going to forget them. Um, I have two questions, and I might have more. Um, Jill, I want to know, I thrive with strength training, and I love CrossFit. I love high intensity. I love a workout where I'm keeping my heart rate between 160 and 185 and I feel like I'm going to pass out or throw up and like that's where I thrive but I personally haven't been able to translate that to ultra running well like my body just crumbles when I ultra run like my knees it's just that's irrelevant though that me just sharing that just to share but my question is like do you think that as far as the the difference in the intensity is helpful for you when you're running a hundred. Like, did they, do they help each other other than the strength aspect? I think so. Um, so like this is why I like to compare a lot of like CrossFit style workouts. 
is that high, low intensity. So like, let's consider whether it's a EMOM and every minute on the minute or Tabata where it's 20 seconds of line, 10 reps. So you're going up, you're going back down with your heart rate. And I, as I, you know, it's a lot like ultras or like mid state where I, I told people a lot, you know, with mid state, I compared it to an EMOM. I'm like, yeah, it's like an every minute on the minute, but every 20 minutes. So you're getting your heart rate up for a good amount and then you're going to get it back down Then you get it back up then you get it back down. And I can sustain that for a long time because I'm used to long workouts where I'm doing that, where I'm going up and going down, going up where some people, they, you know, they can't see that. They're not used to a high intensity, um, you know, cause I have people who come to a class or they come to a workout and they might do a Tabata that's four minutes with 20 seconds on 10 reps, you know, and they're dead in four minutes, but they just aren't used to that style. So when they get to an ultra um, or any type of trail running where they're, you know, running a flat ground and all of a sudden, you know, they're walking up and now we got to start running again. It takes a toll on them. Um, that's why I tell people, you know, sometimes, you know, I love road running because it's, it's, you know, flat and you know, I like going fast. But what's hard about trail running, what some people I think don't like is it's that combination of run walk. And some people can't do that. They can't run and walk, run walk. Or they need to continually run. If people stop, they just lose that, you know, motive to keep going. So I think that's where the high intensity stuff like CrossFit really has helped me um, be able to go and stop again, go and stop. That's awesome. I, I have seen that destroy so many people on the trails. Mm-hmm. The fact that they yeah. they have to stop and walk, and then they have to get going again when it yeah. flattens out or it becomes runnable. I've seen that mm-hmm. destroy so many people. You're exactly right, Jill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do Chad is Chad is he does this, and I've heard it a lot from runners that are scared. They're not. They don't want to lift and do a lot of CrossFit because they're really scared of getting heavy. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, if I get too muscular, I'm gonna be slow, and I gotta stay thin and light and like. I want to know both of y'all's perspective on that. Like, what what do you guys think about that? Okay. I actually, no, I actually want this to be the meat of our conversation. So I want you guys to really go in depth on this question right here, because this was another question from one of our, our Patreon members, David Brewer. He wanted to ask, uh, or uh, actually Darlene Brewer, training methodology or philosophy as it ties into this dynamic that Brooke's talking about, lifting, strength training, uh, and how that pairs with ultra running. Because you have, I have people like Chili that swears if you want to be the best ultra runner, you do not need to be lifting weights. He's lifting weights right now. Only because I force him to. Um <laughs> He and and then you and then obviously you see people like Harvey Lewis, like Courtney DeWalter, um, like some, uh, uh, you, you know, your your big your big distance, you know, Johann Steen, those guys that they they're just sticks. I mean, these guys, they, there's no doubt. You look at these guys and girls that are some of the best in the world, if not the best in in the ultra running world, and and. You couldn't convince me that they could deadlift 135 pounds. Like, it's like their shoulders would just break off of their their <laughs> body if they tried to lift anything up. Um, so there's, there is an argument to be made, I think, both ways. But how does this 
Brooks, question. How does the strength training pair with ultra running? Wait, if this is going to be the meat of this podcast, can I pause real quick and ask my other question? No, let's let's it, let's get this question. It won't take us too long to answer it. I, I want to hear y'all's methodology on this and how it's worked for you and what you truly believe. Okay, well, what I'll say is, like, I like to, I've been really fond, like, Sally McRae a lot lately, and, um, you know, I think I'm very similar to her, um, where she would say, you know, back in the day, she was this tiny little thing, and I would say I was the same way, and I still think I'm small, but, you know, I don't look at myself when I'm running against these, yeah, little string bean people, <laughs> so, and, you know, uh, I come in about a hundred. 30 pounds and five two um and i am a lot stronger i have a more of a crossfit looking body but i have to say with the strength training one i think i can climb hills a lot faster like faster and just stronger so that by the time i get up i'm not completely dead i still have a lot of strength in my legs but then i can just keep running down the flat um another thing would be like more injury prevention stuff and so like after like the 50 miler yeah, I was, I was sore, but even today I went for just a mild jog slash walk with my dog because um, I'm able to do that. Whereas I know some people who don't like strength training, you know, they may have to take, you know, a good week off because their body is just just totally broken down. Um, not saying that you shouldn't take a week off because I think it's great, but I think I'm able to bounce back a lot faster than others just with the strength training because my body is just a lot stronger than those who don't strength train. Um, that is a, one of the key factors. Hey, Jill, did uh, you yeah, hold say, on? Jill, did you guys take your mile and a half walk or run after you drank? You and your dog drank your your um, frap your uh, caramel uh, pumpkin spice coffee this morning, or, or was it before? That was before. <laughs> you you know you know Brooke and I we both got worms from from drinking uh, uh eating and drinking after our dogs right what so, no it was from the garden no we just no. got straight worms it was from the organic garden <laughs> it was not from eating and drinking after our what no i'll show you jill's story that i'll show that's i saw her story you this morning Gardia from your dog they pick it up and they can pass it to you so that's why i was like oh when i saw that i was like Oh, no. You gotta see your story on Instagram. We both kiss our dogs in the mouth, not with mouth open, but like, mwah, you know, like, oh yeah, all day. I know you want to go kiss cat right now, Becca. <laughs> no cat. <laughs> Jill was betting on cat earlier. Inside joke. Nobody understands. Um. So, All right, Becca, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Becca, because <laughs> Becca has some of the strongest, sexiest legs on earth. I mean, you look at Becca's legs and you're like, you just, it just makes you feel insignificant when you see <laughs> Becca's quads. It's like, holy crap, man. So I know you're, I, Becca, I know you're, you're into the strength training stuff too, and you're coaching now, and it's a big part of what you share with your clients. So talk to us about it. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I do think my legs sometimes make a splash. Uh, I am blessed. <laughs> it's what, it's what keeps me going. At John? Mid, it's what keeps me going at mid state mile is looking at your <laughs> legs. I would not run. I would not stay there as long if you didn't have shorts on and you were out there and I could at least look at your legs in between. Are y'all looking at John right now? 
John. John heard you hitting on his woman and he's like, hold up. Did you just say my woman's legs are sexy? Let me come in here real quick and assert my dominance. Well, John's a lucky man. He's, he's blessed. Get I him, mean. John. Get him. See what he does when you're not around? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> Forgive me, John. Forgive me. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so yeah, strength training is like a big part of what we do. And I believe that runners should do it. And it's nothing else, body weight exercise, but those that can lift, you know, you always hear lift heavy, but that's also in proportion to your body and your strength. You know, you're not going to get bulky unless you really try to, uh, I try to think as muscle is, is as an energy source, the more muscle you have, the more ability or the, the better your body can, uh, I lost my train of thought after all the leg and laugh talk. Um, <laughs> it, it basically gives your body uh, a place to draw more strength and energy and to be more efficient. So the more muscle you have, the more, uh, what am I trying to say, Jill? <laughs> I mean, I'm a little frazzled. I, I think, like, yeah, like, well, to me, like, the more muscle and stuff, like I said before, though, it just helps me climb the better. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just yeah. seen, you know, no offense to, like, the skinny mini little one. Okay, that's a, go ahead. No, no, that was that. Uh, it's all know, right. We, we can offend people on here. That's all right. Offend yeah. the skinny people. <laughs> offend the skinny um, people. As we talk about some of the best in the world, like, a lot of those people have a genetic advantage. And we have to look at the sport and who we are as an overall, like, I like to call everyday athletes. Like, the people who are doing this who don't necessarily have genetics on their side, they have to work harder and they have to use every adaptation that they can develop and get their hands on Mm. to push further and push harder. And, you know, we have a tendency to look at these people and go, oh, they're so great. Well, their body's built different. So we have to look at the people who have come from the back of the pack or who are average and normal and who can achieve great things and look at what they did right, not what someone already has gifts and then listen to them. And I do. I love Sally McRae because she is, she really does speak to the everyday athlete, the everyday runner, the person, the aspiring athlete, the people who want to start from nothing and build up. She does really great about giving them the tools to be strong, to prevent injuries, and to understand how their body works, not just go take a hundred calories and, you know, you'll be fine. Like you don't need to strength train. Um, and Jill is right. Like you can climb better. You can recover faster. Your body has more to work with when you have some muscle. Um, and it's the more strength you have, the easier it is to move your body down the trail. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. I, I want to talk to you guys it, for both of you uh, from a practical standpoint as far as how do you how do you mix as far as proportions your your strength and your running uh, in a training block all right is it are you mm-hmm. doing strength in the morning and running in the evening are you always running first um, are you are you running are you spending more time running than you are working strength like how do you guys balance the two in a training block right because that's like me this morning i did crossfit this morning and i'll run this afternoon so i I, i'm always confused about what's the most efficient way to balance those two aspects in a training block for an ultra marathon specifically 
Yeah. Um, like I'm trying to figure this out too, because I think when I kind of first started to get into this running, I was really beating myself up where I was doing, like, I was like, I've got to get my CrossFit workout in. I've got to do this. And then, you know, I would go run. Um, now because I'm, I'm doing like in two weeks, I have a hundred K. So oh. I'm probably just not really going to run honestly the next two weeks, just because my body's pretty broken, like beat up right now. Um, and I probably won't really do much weight. You know, I'm just going to be like body weight stuff probably as far as like strength training is. Um, and just to get my body just moving and, um, you know, stretching and stuff. But if I do do two, like two a days, yeah, I kind of pretty much do that. Like I'll get my strength training in, um, but I won't go like probably super, super heavy or something that day. Um, like Tuesdays I've been running with Becca in the group. So then I know I'll do like a five mile run. Now, usually Saturday, like Saturdays and Sundays are my longer runs, so I don't train train those days. That's just like my running days. But during the week, like I honestly, people get surprised because I see on Strava, like people who are doing 100 milers, 50 milers, uh, races, I mean, they're banking in like 50, 60 mile weeks. I'm lucky if I put 20, 30 miles in. I really don't run that much, I'll be honest. Um, I probably do more strength training than I do running. Okay. When you're doing your long runs, what kind of pace are you laying down when you're thinking about a race coming up? Uh, it's so hard because I'm on a trail. Uh, I really don't look at the pace. Um, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, I have gotten a lot better at pace. I used to just go out and I'm just, a, I'm a naturally fast runner, but if I run with people, it helps slow me down. So I've gotten better with running um, at a slower pace. I'm actually, some of the people I run with on Sundays, they're all like, Jill, you've gotten so much better just like staying at a nice, consistent pace. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't even look at the pace. Now, when I used to do just like road running, I mean, I could do a 16 minute or 16 mile and be like 17, 15, like a seven minute mile, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really do much road running um, right now. Next year, because I think I'll be doing Boston, I probably will be. But um, I, don't, I keep it pretty low. Like, I don't probably anywhere from 12 to 15 minute mile. I, I don't know. I honestly don't really look at the pace. Tuesdays well, we go pretty slow. Brooke has yeah. just got me looking at heart rate. And we've been doing our long yeah. runs at uh, at a 140. We try to stay around 140, 140 to 145 Which on is our heart hard. rate. And it's yeah. it's great for a long run. It's yeah. painfully slow though initially. Yeah, You're like oh, I've never done that before, yeah. and and I think it's such a, a uh, I think it's a better measure to use in terms of pace on a long run. So well, shout out to to Huberman. The reason we did that was because he said that that type of exercise, thirty to forty five minutes, staying in that. I think it's level two heart rate, 130 to 145 ish is super good for your brain. Your brain just, it makes chemicals and hormones. It, they were talking about TBI specifically, but that's yeah. what drove us to do that. Yeah. Both of our brains are screwed up. Correct. So. Drugs <laughs> and traumatic brain injuries. Drugs and explosions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, it's funny y'all say that because that's like the basis of my coaching methodology is, is, is the low heart rate. That's, the the major part of ours and when Jill was like running with I'm like what's your heart rate and she was like well what's a good pick I'm like well what's your heart rate and uh, for a lot of our athletes like it's that 
we try to keep them below 140 for the long run. Wow. Because people have a tendency to let it creep up. Mm -hmm. And then you end up on the higher end of the aerobic zone when you want to be on that lower end and more in that zone too. Um, And it does take about six to eight weeks to really see that pace come down. But once those changes happen, it's significant. So that's like one of the... Sorry, Becca. What do you mean by changes? Like the changes in the... They start to get uh, faster. So your pace will come down. It increases your aerobic capacity and the way that your body utilizes oxygen and creates energy. So you'll be able to run faster and further without expending as much energy. Like you can run at a high heart rate redlining for much longer. I use that for the races that I want to be like competitive or chase a PR. That's the biggest part of my training is 80% slow running and then a lot of hill work and then body weight or strength definitely strength training i think you should strength train three days a week at least two and you need two rest days like full rest stretch mobility yoga meditate all mental and physical flexibility and just being in your body and seeing what hurts and what areas need to be have tension relieved and stretched out but yeah the the low heart rate is one of the biggest things for georgia jewel uh 50 a couple years ago um i've been doing a lot of low heart rate training and i stayed at a heart rate of 180 something average probably i think it was like an 11 minute pace for the entire 50 and like i was running uphill and everything else and i never felt tired like and my body felt great like I could hit that red line and stay there the entire time uh when I got done I felt like I could have run a hundred like that compared to how I had run some other races there's a 50k that I've done several times that low heart rate I PR'd that race with like a five hour something and could stay at a red line longer and never felt packed so just just to be clear when you train you're training at that low heart rate, keeping it 140 or under, but that translates mm-hmm. to you being able to go and keep it high and on race day on race day. Absolutely. And that's really just for your long runs and your easy runs. You know, when you do speed work and you do hill work, that's different. Right. Um, but it really does show up in hill work because your heart rate will stay lower as you climb or if it spikes, it drops back down faster. You can recover so much faster. That's cool. That's really cool advice. I've yeah, never... no, I love it. Um, one thing that Becca said that's really, really hard, I think, for me personally, for for Chile, for most of the ultra-running clan, is two whole rest days. I mean, that's mm-hmm. hard, man. Yeah. Like, because, you know, I've always been more, and, and I'm not saying that I'm right, uh, I've always been more along the lines of you need to run every day and and to take two whole rest days a week that would be tough for me well and I <laughs> I want I think I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for both of us I struggle to take a full rest day too and I think for me and I'm pretty sure for you it has to do with 
we're pretty much addicted to it's mental it's it's yeah. mentally yeah it's, it's like for me to take yeah, a yeah. rest day i'm gonna be in a bad place that right. day mentally and did you notice how becca mm-hmm. said meditate and be in your mind and see where you're at and like that would be challenging for us to not have the endorphins and not be kind of chill and relaxed and tired from a hard workout and then have to check in with yourself mentally and be like hey where am i at without my crutch that is exercise like yeah. That could, that could be, yeah, that could be a little, little, uh. Yeah. It, it can, it, it's hard for a lot of people. And you can still use that rest day as like a walk. You know, that's another huge thing in ultra running is walking and hiking. Like people show up to a hundred miler and they're like, I expected to run this whole thing. I'm like, who are you kidding? You are going <laughs> to hike or walk 30 to 40 miles of a hundred miler, depending on the terrain. And just overall, like, unless you are one of those very, very gifted people, um, it is really hard to run an entire thing like that. Um, so having a strong walk and a strong hike is imperative. So, you know, that can be done on a rest day. I think last week doing the 75 hard, I walked 30 miles. Just wow. walking. And geez, <laughs> holy cow. Yeah. Well, that's right up your alley, Biscuit. I know. I mean, Biscuit loves to walk. I mean, she... She is just a walking. I, she needs to write a entire children's book series about her adventures with her dogs and her walks. I'm trying to convince her to do that. Um, you should. Yeah. So random. There, dude. There was a what? What? What else? I have a question. Oh man. Bill. Okay, go ahead. Um, I wanted to ask. Both of you have said things that kind of made it pop in my mind. I have trouble personally when I'm putting in more than about 25 or 30 miles. I have a fear of not being able to go to CrossFit on Monday. Like I have a fear if I, I've run a 50 K and it blasted my knees. It gave me a patella femoral. I had to go to physical therapy. It took me months to be able to run again. My IT bands were blasted. So now I have this deep fear that like long runs and races will prevent me from being able to do my maintenance workout that keeps me sane every day. Right. And so my question is like, when you guys are running, how, how do you start to learn to listen to your body and know that, okay, that pain is like a possible injury versus this pain is expected. And I just need to suck it up and keep going. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm not good at this <laughs> I get I'll be honest like I've had a knee pain in my left for quite some time now um and you're doing another race yeah. in two weeks yeah but I've been dealing with this pain for a few years and okay uh, that's legit yeah yeah but I've been dealing with like feet pain and ankle pain and it's stuff like yeah I should eventually probably get checked out but um I'm very uh where I just I pretty much suck it up but I am not saying that people should just do that that's not the advice I'm trying to give um really it's just that I I'm just one of those once I commit like I'm and again it's not always best of luck but like it's like once I commit I'm doing it you know some people are like well if you're injured just don't do the race and yes that is for some people for me I'm just very hard on myself and I just want to do it because I have this one then I have the Tennessee mile 40 hour and then next year I have some races, but once the new year comes and I, I really need to take care of my body because I, I have some goals like in life and 
Um, I know now, you know, I'm 30 years old, but if I keep running on pains like this, Mm -hmm. that it's not going to be able to last me, you know, for a while. And, you know, I get, um, you know, my hundred miler, I had a 40, so I came third female and I had a 44 year old and a 47 year old female who beat me. And I get like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like these ladies must be in their prime. Like they're, I get like, I'm only 30 and these ladies are beating me. And I'm like, you know, they've got basically 15 years plus on me. So I just, that's where I really want to, like I said, these pains that I'm feeling now, I need to take care of so that I can be able to run, you know, like they are um, at that age. Because if I feel, if I feel these pains now, they might get worse as they get older. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially. I think yeah. one of the most, oh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Brooke. No, you go ahead. Oh, uh, so I was going to say, I think the, the best thing for people to do to understand the difference between an injury and a pain is take the time to understand your body and why learn about why certain things are hurting and know that typically if something's hurting, look six inches above, like it's caused by something else. And then that's usually caused by something else. And most everything starts in the hips, the hips and the lower back, your deep core, like mm-hmm. that's where it is, not just your abs, but your TVA muscles and everything there that stabilizes your body that causes most of the problems. And then from there down. And if you, have something that comes up, something that's like straining you during workouts or during a run, look it up, like look up like what causes this? And then, okay, well, what causes that muscle? I think really being inquisitive and diving into information is the best thing to understand your body. Like I see people, they're like, oh, the top of my foot hurts. Usually that's just caused by tying your shoe too tight or you're doing a lot of walking and hiking and it's a completely different motion and then you're putting weight on it and that tendon's inflamed you're probably not going to do anything to it. It's just really going to hurt and be inflamed. But that's one thing that people worry about. Um, you know, I broke my toe at the beginning, like mile 12 of cruel jewel this year, the 50. <laughs> and for a lot of people, like my big toe on an uphill wearing shoes, it was really dumb. But, you know, for a lot of people that would have been like, Oh, I shouldn't do this. And I didn't think about it at the time because I was like, I kept getting blisters on my feet and I was changing my gait and my hips were hurting. But So I was shifting my weight off that toe, not thinking about it. And eventually I changed into my sandals and it was fine because then I could utilize my feet differently and rock to the sides and be able to make that work for me. I probably would have thought about it sooner if I had told John that I broke my toe, but I didn't know until after the race. So I was just thinking for myself. But that was one of those things that I was like, it's not going to do any more damage. And so when you realize that there is an injury or there is a pain, knowing where it's coming from and being able to assess is, is this long-term or is this just short-term discomfort? And if you know that this comes from X, Y, Z, then you can go, okay, well, I'll be sore for two weeks or I'm risking tearing something. So really understanding that I think is, is key to being able to push through those little aches and pains and seeing the bigger picture and the smaller picture and knowing what you need to do from there. I, I hear a lot of, of Becca talking about getting to know your body. And like, I think a lot of people would kind of think like, I feel like you biscuit would be very unlikely. Like you've been talking about your knee a little bit. You're not going to Google it and you're not going to look into like, Hey, I have tight, hamstrings I have a tight lower back and my knee's hurting here 
Like, let's look into that. But I can see how that would be such a great thing to just have a mental map of like, here are the weak points on my body. And it mm-hmm. could be, okay, I need to strengthen X, Y, and Z. And it also could be used for what she's saying. Like in the middle of a race, something starts hurting and you're like, well, I'm already educated myself and I know what that is. So, well, I know my body so well and I actually, my mind is so strong that when I, when something starts happening, I can send energy through my mind to wherever that is happening at and fix it. Um, so that, again, that just comes from, Maybe from decades of doing the hardest things. Uh, and, and it's not something that I can teach you guys. It's just something that you have to develop. All right. And, uh, so I don't, I don't have to use Google. I'm like, you know, an old native American that has to go on a, you know, a long mission or something. And he didn't have Google, you know, like the early explorers or something. They, you just know your body so well and your mind is so strong. You can actually heal your body just with the power that resides in your mind. So that's where I'm at. I know that's kind of a different level, Biscuit, but you you couldn't heal your constipation <laughs> last night. You had right dude. I bed. hate dude. I hate having to go when you have to when you go to bed and you feel like you have to poo. You don't sleep as good. Why yeah. didn't you use your Jedi mind tricks on that? Why didn't it you just use wasn't it? ready? It wasn't ready. I mean, it, it was there, but it wasn't ready. So you're an idiot. Oh, that, what you just said is not helpful to anyone. Like you just wasted, you just wasted like a good minute and a half babbling on about something that is not true. When we have like very, uh, we're trying to get information here. It's psyops. We're trying to provide a resource. It's, it's psyops. I, I know some of my com- my competitors are going to listen to this podcast, and I want them to think that I have some special Jedi mind that they don't have. This is all psyops, all right? So I had to add that in. His superpower is his ability to compartmentalize. I think that's what he's trying to translate to the normal person is being able to compartmentalize it and put it aside and move through it and make it not a thing. Ignore it until he's on the floor first thing in the morning. You you know what? My back is so tight. I I, can't move. I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad that... um, that the Lord took it off my heart to take over the world because uh, I was if, there for a while during coronavirus. I was about bent on taking over the entire world, and I was actually going to try to uh, bring Becca on board because I believe if if we wanted to literally take over the entire world, Becca and I could do it. I think you just could out too. of sheer tenacity and just violence of action, I, I really think that we could. I mean, we would end up being terrible dictators and tyrants, and uh, so I'm glad that's not. Becca just understands me. She knows how I tick because we're so much alike, and um, it's amazing that we're friends because we're so much alike. We we should be wanting to kill each other, but okay. Oh, this is what I wanted to add on oh. Becca's Becca's oh. advice on two days of rest. I want to know have what I want to know have have you guys ever utilized the sauna? The sauna. 
I like the sauna. It's still a form of stress to the body, so it's not actually rest. Amen. Amen, sister. It's a stressor to the body. It releases hormones that are stress hormones. So, but it's a great tool. Man. I'll take it over a cold plunge. Oh, yes. Amen to that. Uh, Becca's the only person that I know that is actually tough who has stood up for you on me ragging you about not getting in the cold plunge. Oh, me and Becker, she's we're, the, we're she's like the, the same person. She's the only person who is like, yeah, I ain't cold plunging either. You know, Becca, a lot of people hate me too. I mean, we're, we're, we're like the same freaking person, man. I need to start an off-the-rails Strava you know, channel. You know what's funny, Just so I can be more like Becca. Is that John and I are similar. And I, he's probably listening like, shut up. That's not true. Yeah. But I really do feel like me and him are very similar. Yeah, I, I could see that. And yeah. I I think it's funny that mm-hmm. like you see the personality types are attracted. You and you John know I mean? are you and John are much more caring and understanding We're and funny. compassionate. Yes, you're both funny. You guys aren't very funny. No offense, but <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I get lucky. I get lucky like once a year and say something that's funny. Like and uh, then and then you take it too far because you made people laugh and then you Then it's it. not funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Do you have another question, Biscuit? I, I do, but it's kind of like a, yeah, I do. I I am hearing Jill talk, and I don't know if you got this. She's running 100K in two weeks. Yes. And that freaking blew my mind. I'm like, what? Didn't blow my mind. She's Jill. I, I'm like, what? That's insane. <laughs> and I'm, I want to know, like, what else is driving you to, to do? Because in my mind, I hear, I've heard you with competitiveness and I know you have a passion for fitness, but like the level that you are, are pushing yourself to my intuition is just like, that's not all that's driving you. Like there's got to be more for you to be this wild about it. You know, I mean, yeah. Um, well, honestly, I didn't realize how close I, I booked these two races at first. Um, then I was like, oh shit, I only got two weeks like, between <laughs> these two races. Um, I was like, oh gosh. Um, but this 100K, actually, I I did sign up for this, uh, not like too far in advance, but a few months ago. Like this one, I was actually talking about at Mid-State. I was telling the guys there, yeah, I have this big race coming up, like, you know, in October, this 100K. This was supposed to be my big race this year. Well, now it's becoming one of, the smaller races, like yeah. not smaller, but it's going to be like a smaller race. So, um, yeah, but I think this was, like I said, like, yes, the competitiveness, but I do want to be like, I've always been a coach of some sort in the fitness industry, but, um, my niche, I want to shift more towards the running community and, um, help runners out there because I truly believe that. And now, and not a lot of people are going to agree with me here, but that everyone truly could be a runner. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone, can get out there and walk, run, whatever they, for the most part. It's um, a, it's a, it's a fundamental, natural human activity. You're exactly right, Jill. You're exactly right. As soon as you saw that, I saw him go like this, his shoulders raised and he (laughs) stuck his head out. He was so ready to say something. Yeah. Well, see, and then the thing is I have people like, even at the gym that I'm at, like, or just that, I mean, you know, you have everyone who's like running so bad for you. No wonder your knees are like this, mm-hmm. like that. I mean, 
my knees are messed up before I started running. And like, you know, you can. Your knees are messed up from CrossFit. Shut up. Yeah. But like, it's just, there's so many sorts of things, but I I truly believe if you, and I'll be honest, I just don't recover properly. If I do the recover, like if I recover properly, I'd probably feel a lot better than I do. But anyways, um, I really want to help those people who, um, you know, maybe never got their first 5k or never did an ultra. And, um, because I just think it's a great feeling, um, to do that. So my initiatives are really good towards that. So my goal this year, well, wasn't really till I kind of signed up for the races was to get a lot of these races under my belt so that I can help, you know, people who want to sign up for ultras or Texas runs to be like, yeah, I've done a hundred, I've done a 50, I've done a hundred K, you know, just so that they can look at me and just to be able to see what I've done. Um, Credibility. But, establish establish what? that establish that credibility or that running resume. I, I totally get that. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm just, I like new challenges. Like I like, to, uh, here's like the thing I like to say. I like to do things that a lot of people won't do. Um, you know, I like, now this is something that, uh, when was it? 20, 2020, or I think it was of January. I don't know. One, or maybe it was the beginning of 2021. We so tried January, to forget about those um, years. We tried to forget about yeah, those well, years. Yeah, well, whatever year it was, but it was January 1st. It was New Year's. And I always like to do something that, like, let me go off the challenge, you know, and I decide to do a thousand burpees for time. And no. I'm like, people are like, why would you do that? I'm like, because I like to do things that most people won't do. So, um, you know, I did that. I do, like, the 100 miler because most people in the world aren't going to do that. So... I just like to do things that most people won't, and then I want to help others do stuff that they don't, like that they probably don't think that they can do, but they will. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. we're going to, well, I'm going to start to wrap this thing up. I just have to ask, what's next for you, Becca? Um, I've got Buckeye 200 here in a couple weeks. Oh, Actually, snap. I think like 10 days. Did you what? I said, oh, snap. <laughs> two two yeah. hundred miles. Why would? Why, I mean, why? <laughs> why not? Yeah, it sounds like a good time. Uh, you know, I haven't attempted a couple or a two hundred here in a few years. My first hundred milers were actually in two hundred mile attempts. Um, I never set out to run a hundred miles, so this is a little bit of unfinished business for me. But um, and this one's different, like. When I picked the goal, I knew I could do 200 miles in the mountains. That's my comfort zone. Climbing mountains, descending, I'm happy there. This one is road, and it is really, really flat, Mm. and it's basically self-supported. So you can have crew or you rely on the stores along the way or the kindness of people. So John's going to crew me, so I will have help there, and we'll just utilize what's out there. So flat, road, and basically unsupported. So those all sounded like really great challenges and super outside of my comfort zone. So I was like, we're going to do that. Jeez. That's going to be a mind screw right oh there, man. Gosh. Oh, 100%. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm very curious to see where my mind goes and where my focus goes and how I bring that back so that I can take that and help other people with that and say, I've been there. I know that you're feeling this. I know that you're thinking this. I just think it's going to give me a whole lot more to work with, a few more tools in my toolbox. So that was why I was excited about Mm. it. These are the type of, you, you ladies are the type of women that need to be coaching. Like Becca's like, 
I need to go do a hundred so I can help people better. I mean, well, I'm sorry, a 200 <laughs> so I can help people better. Like, that, that, is, that, is, that is the key, man. Let like, me go sacrifice my the, joints in my body so I can be a better coach. So that's the better... first thing that you should, when you are looking wow. for a coach, that's the first thing that you should identify. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to hire this person to pour into me and to make me better. What you, you should see what have they done in the in the recent history, the last few years, right? Because I, I tell people all the time, if I ever stop doing hard things, stop listening to me. Just stop listening to me. Like it is it is our obligation. Now I'm not a coach. You guys are coaches. I'm just some kind of guy that people listen to online some but guy. Uh, i'm just some guy um but like it's it's my obligation it's you guys obligation for us to continue to push ourselves in order to claim that title i feel like the title of coach has has kind of went down the drain uh, since life coaches. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the last, I don't know. I've only been out of the Navy and been in this world for like the last three years, but like I see people that are being hired as coaches and claiming these titles as, co as coaches. And it's like, dude, what, it, what you, you're a, you're a freaking CPA or a financial advisor or like what you like, what have you done, man? Like, there, Becca, you're exactly right. When you get to this point in your career, uh, and, and I'm the same way at this point in my life, um, we've ran hundred milers, we've done hard things. We've, we've endured difficulty in, in life and in fitness and in all these different areas. So now what, what we do, everything that we do for me personally is so that I can create stories, lessons learned, content, and things that are going to help other people. It's no longer for me. Um, yes, I look forward to it. Yes, I enjoy it. Yes, I love the people, the community, the challenge. Yes, I love all that. But ultimately, would I go run the Cocodina 250 miler in May if, if it was just for me? No. If, it, if, that, if that was all it was about, no, I wouldn't go do it. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Um, yeah. So I love that mindset. And, and it does set you guys, both you, Jill, and you, Becca, it sets you guys apart mm -hmm. as coaches in a crowded room of coaches. Big time. Um, you know, you, you've put yourself, you're putting yourself also, you're putting yourself on the line. You know, you're mm -hmm. going, you, Becca, a 200-miler, I mean, it, it doesn't matter how prepared you are. A lot of things can happen in 200 miles, and you know that better than I know mm -hmm. that. And you're putting yourself out there on the line. The reason you have the courage to do that is because I think you recognize whether you succeed or whether you push to your limit on that day and you fail, there are going to be tremendous, tremendous valuable lessons learned in either outcome. That's why I don't mm -hmm. I, I don't have an issue with putting myself on the line uh, because mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter to me whether whether um, what the outcome is. It's what what can I take away from this? So 
I want you guys both to just uh, let the listeners know you guys listen to this, man. You may not run. You may think we're freaking crazy for running uh, and all this stuff. Let me tell you what. The type of running that we're talking about doing, yeah, it's not for everybody, but let me tell you what. I don't care who you are. Um, it it will change your life. If you run a 100-mile race, it will change your perspective on life. You get... The, the old cliche, you get life in a day. You have to deal with all these things. It will make you stronger and more prepared for what is coming in real life. Uh, I think that everyone should train and go run or hike or walk a hundred miler. Even if it's not an organized event, even if they just do it down a, a, a back road somewhere, the, just to experience it and to prepare yourself for what's coming in life because life is freaking hard, man. And the way, mm-hmm. the way to get through life, you have to prepare yourself for that. We can prepare ourselves by inflicting adversity on ourselves intentionally, right? In a controlled environment so that, God forbid, 10 years down the road, when you wind up with freaking cancer or somebody dies or, or you get in a car wreck and lose a limb or whatever it may be, you've built these tools that are going to help you get through that challenge, that unforeseen challenge that you don't have any control over. That's why we do what we do, man. That's part of the reason why we do what we do. So if you're thinking about getting into this, one of the best things that you can possibly do is hire a coach. I would recommend, if you're just getting into running, I would recommend at a minimum your first year you having a coach. The, the, optimal, the optimal time for you to have a coach if you're just getting started into running or anything is two years. You know why I say two years? Because SEAL training was two years long. And I know from my experience, it took me two years to be mature enough within the realm of of that skill set. It took me two years of intense coaching for me to be skilled enough to be able to go out and do it on my own. I think that's the time frame. Um, now, if you have a coach you work well with, it's a it can be a perpetual thing. The value is. One, it frees up time for you. Time is, time is very limited for a lot of us. And a lot of reasons people don't start ultra running is because of time. They say, how can I manage all, how can I manage all this plus the training load, plus the racing, plus my job, plus my kids? If you have a coach, it takes a lot of that out of the equation, right? It frees up time. It gives you someone that's knowledgeable to help you work through the freaking bumps in the road that you're going to face, right? It gives you somebody that you are going to be accountable to. That's super important. You have to have someone. Look, man, you're in most relationships, you, if you don't go for your run, if you don't do what you need to do to prepare yourself for this challenge that you've put on your calendar that's going to make you better, your spouse isn't going to hold you accountable. Like that that doesn't go well anyway. Yeah, that doesn't go well anyway. You have to have someone that you're accountable to, right? 
and uh, and you have to give them free reign to freaking call you out for your for your bull crap. Um, there's been times in my life, actually, in this pot with this podcast, the three seven podcast, about two years ago, it was deer season, and I just wanted to hunt, and I and I didn't want to do the podcast. Nobody listened to the podcast back then. I mean, a few hundred people would listen to the podcast. It didn't make any money. I didn't want to do it. In this scenario, my wife was my coach. It did work this time. She she held me accountable. She said, you have told your audience that you are going to put out a podcast this once a month back then, and you need to freaking do that. And I don't care if 20 people listen to it. I don't care if 20,000 people listen to it. You need to do it. And that's the reason the 307 podcast exists. So that accountability piece is huge, man. So I want to uh, give you guys the opportunity, both Becca and Jill, to just let people know where they can find you, uh, where they can access your resources, what you offer, and uh, all that good stuff. Anything that you want to share with the listeners? Um, yeah, I mean, well, first thing first, thank you for having us. Um, but yeah, I always like to tell people though, like you just need to start. I mean, a lot of people get in their head. Um, I always like to say, just sign up for that race. I tell people all the time, like they want to think about that. Oh, I'm thinking about signing up for this 5k, this 25k get it on your calendar because then it's going to make you train once. I mean, once it's on there, unless you just decide to throw out money for the heck of it, um, you know, you're pretty much then you need to train to get ready for it. So I always like to tell people just sign up for it and then we'll work with you. Um, you know, whether that's the strength training, whether that's, you know, getting you ready for like running, um, you know, slowly progressing to that race. Um, but yeah, so where people can find me, it's just my first and last name. Um, I do a lot more on Instagram. That's like my main social media, but it's at Jill Dennis. It's just my first name. And Dennis is spelled D-E-N-N-E-S. Um, but I also have Facebook as well. But like I said, I do mainly, um, Instagram, that's my main thing, but I love when people message me. I love sharing, you know, my backstory with, um, just some of my personal stuff. I love when people reach out to me and tell me their story and then we connect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do, like I said, I do a lot of strength training, trying to get more into eventually the running coach. Becca has taught me just a lot of stuff. Like when she was talking about the heart rate. I didn't know any of that stuff until, um, you know, she taught me. I was just actually looking at my heart rate during the run, and my average heart rate for this race was 151, which I think was pretty good for the race yeah. um, for as long as it was. So, um, yeah, I mean, she's been – I've only known Becca for a few months. I've known her and John has become pretty much my best friends down here. So um, she's a great resource to me and just learned a lot from her. But, um yeah, so like I said, you can find me at Jill Dennis on Instagram. Thank you, Jill. Yeah, yeah. She actually gave me and John a card. It's very sweet <laughs> and wrote very nice things. John read it out loud because I'm not a good out loud reader. Person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and thanks for having us. And Brooke, it was great to see you this weekend and get to spend some time with you out there at Georgia Jewel too, and at Higher Ground. And um. Y'all can find me on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Little Becca B. We also have our Mid-State Mile page. We also have our Run Faster BMFJ Endurance. That's kind of a new rebranding thing we're doing. And me and Meg Landymore also have um, 
a page called Running Together, and it's all about just different running information and guidance there. If you are in our local Nashville area and you want to do trail running, I'm also starting a uh, group. It's Intro to Trail Running, and it's on Meetup. I don't know if you've got any interest in helping with that, Jill. I hadn't told her about it yet. <laughs> but, but it's for people who um, you know are coming over from roads, and we're going to start running two or three miles and just get into it and start learning from a good place and or maybe unlearning some bad habits. So, um yeah, you can find us on there or bmfjevents.com. That's our website that has a link to everything and how you can register for Tennessee or Mid-State. That's, I think I'm all over the platform. And Becca, <laughs> if somebody's interested in run running coaching, um, just reach out to you on Instagram is best. Yeah, Instagram or our website, um, the BMFJ events. I respond pretty well to messages, um, especially better on Instagram. Facebook isn't always good at like notifying you. It sends it to requests and then sometimes mm-hmm. you don't really see it. And I am going to say if anyone is looking for a coach and, you know, we're not your jam, look for coaches that tell you they fail. Do not hire someone that goes, I've never DNF. I've never come up short for anything because those people are not pushing themselves and setting the bar higher or they are lying to you. Mm. You find the greatest tools and the greatest growth in coming up short, I believe. Um, I feel like I've learned more in my DNS or things that I screwed up and analyzing what I did wrong. So anyone that's out there looking for that, look for someone who admits their failures and their shortcomings and is willing to share that with you. And, and both of you guys, and I I know we got to go, um, you, you're willing to take clients that are like, have never run before. Like that's totally in your wheelhouse. Yes, absolutely. We, uh, we used not, we only were doing ultra specific and that is like our specialty. But, um, I've realized there's a lot of people that want to do it and want to learn how to do it. And I think I would, I want to give those people the tools as well, not just have them when they've learned all these bad mindsets. And I think when you start people like whether it's shrink train, I mean, really anything in life when, you start them fresh. Um, that's like even in CrossFit when you had someone who has done something for so long, learning from another coach, and then they want to be coached by you. It's hard to break that habit. So mm-hmm. if you have a runner come to you who's never really ran an ultra, never never ran a five k, now you get to start with them fresh. I yeah. mean, you get to teach them, you know, stuff that they've never learned before. So they get to learn, hopefully, the proper way, you know, to do things um, and start learning it the proper way instead of coming from something. Uh, not so proper and then trying to change their habits and that's hard I mean when you're like me I'm 30 years old trying to change something you know at 30 years old it's hard when you're Mm -hmm. trying to break a habit it's hard yeah yeah it's the same with teaching people how to shoot guns or uh (laughs) anything like that it's the exact same same process you should teach me I've done a few times but I'm trying to get out there a little bit more the absolute worst students that we train on the range are the guys that grew up around guns they are the mm-hmm. most yeah, yeah. unsafe and they have the the worst, the most wazoo freaking crap that you've ever seen in your life are the people who have been around. I grew up around guns. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I know how to do it. Yeah, exactly. And Becca, you're exactly right. The most epic people on earth are the people who can share their failures 
not for the sake of pity, but for the sake of lesson learned. Uh, the people who can share their failures as confidently and as truthfully and as openly as they can share their successes. Mm. And I'm still working on that. That that's a journey for for because there there are all of us have have a few failures in the Rolodex that we just kind of keep to ourselves. And <laughs> and and look, when you become truly epic is when you can just lay that stuff out on the line for what it is and take the lessons from it again not for the sake of poor old me but for the sake of man let me tell you about this time that i really freaking screwed something up and let me tell you what happened and how i worked through it that's when you become freaking epic and uh we get so caught up in in the the social media land where, uh, of seeing just everybody's success. That's all a bunch of bullcrap, man. That's all a mm-hmm. bunch of freaking bullcrap. We're all human. We all make terrible mistakes. I was just looking at uh, just just the other day. Uh, Neil Curry, uh, owner of Ready Gunner, um, committed suicide. A terrible, terrible thing. And but you look back at his Instagram page, and it's like, wow, this dude's living the life, man. Like out surfing, uh, out you know hunting out west with all the the influencers and all this stuff. And and it's like, no, man, that n- nobody's life is like that. And Becca's exactly right. Look at look for the people that share the hardships and and the failures as openly as they share their successes. And that's where you're going to find the most value and find a true resource that can help you get to where you're going. So awesome advice. You guys were great guests, man. Thank you guys for allowing us to pick your brain. It's been a while. You know, we're the premier ultra running podcast and it's been a while since we've had a ultra dedicated ultra running running type of conversation. I'm getting back fired up about running. I'm going to do this mountain bike ride in December, Lord willing, and then do a race in the spring. And I'm getting back into the groove and just so excited to have you guys on. And uh, you gave me a lot of energy today, gave me a lot of wisdom. And I'm just so happy to see strong women like you guys out there setting the freaking standard, man. Here he goes, John. Look out. Keep doing. You keep doing you what you're doing. John, I'm sorry. My husband's so creepy and you have to be on the receiving end of that. I'm so sorry. I can't control him. Well, all right, guys. Well, we appreciate y'all so much. This is so much fun. This made my day. Yeah, it was fun. It was a blast. And uh, I'll see you guys soon, hopefully. And uh, Jill, I hope to run against you one day and beat you. Um, (laughs) If if we run the Mid-State Mile together, I'm not going to run at your pace. I'm going to try to screw your mind. No, you know, you know, people people are still mad about my Tennessee mile performance last year. I get messages on Instagram on a regular basis telling me how much of a turd I am because of my Tennessee mile performance. And, um, uh, it's absolutely hilarious. I'm scared of, uh, Uh, I'm scared of Tennessee mile, man. Jill's got to go to work. Oh yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. Stop talking about yourself. 
Wait, how many miles did you do at Tennessee? So um, I came out to Tennessee Mile because I had a couple of really good uh, friends, people that are part of the 307 Project community running the long distance. What was it that year, Becca? Was it 40 uh, hours? 40 hours? Yeah, I had a couple yeah. of friends out there doing that. So I thought, well, I'm going to go. I, I had signed up for the 24 hours. I was actually going to go out and run it. I booked a Blake. Booked a dang speaking engagement the very next morning at like 7 a.m. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go out here and just run some laps with, with my friends and hang out and do, you know, do that. What people don't understand, people that haven't been part of the ultra running community, is a lot of us that love ultra running, like we're going to go to races just to be around people sometimes. Like I, I'm not, I'm not. Every race I go to is not to, it, not everyone is for me to race and win. Like, and yeah. you can, you can be upset about that, whatever you want. Sometimes I just like to go and be around the community, right? That's half the reason that we run ultra and we don't run marathons. Okay. Um, so that's what I was doing there that I don't even know. I freaking probably ran like three or four miles. I, I didn't run very far. Yeah. <laughs> And he then, and then, out, but because of the the switch, like it messed something up on the ultra sign up. So, and then it had like the the miles all out of whack. I think just because he didn't want to race ultra dad and that twenty four. No. <laughs> oh man, that but, twenty uh, that that would be a brutal twenty four hours as fast as you could go. You could really hurt yourself. I mean, I could oh, really, yeah, I could there, really hurt myself out there. <laughs> there and, is no doubt about that. And especially in that yeah. cold. Especially in that that cold air, Becca, you and I are again we're the exact same person. <laughs> that cold air wrecks my lungs. I can't tell. You, I did the Lookout Mountain fifty miler uh three three years ago maybe, and it was in January, cold. I ran it hard and fast, and um, dude, I that night, like I had to hit an inhaler because that cold yeah. air wrecked my lungs, and I don't. I I don't know. Doesn't it do that to you too, Becca? Oh, it does. I uh, I do not do well in the cold. My body actually had like an anaphylactic reaction to the cold one year. To rest. my second attempt at a two hundred, I did a hundred miles and stopped. I had hives all over my body, couldn't breathe. It was not good. Me and the cold don't go along at all. Once it gets below sixty five, seventy degrees, I want nothing to do with it. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. That cold air is a, it's a game changer for my body personally so um but i i don't know i might come out there and run a few laps at tennessee mile i i, I don't i haven't thought about it but uh but um thank you for that for the challenge um jill <laughs> i'm always up for a challenge I, you know i may just come out there just to beat you that day uh, you won't beat me but that's okay oh. <laughs> i love it son <laughs> Jill's only got <laughs> 300 mile races. I don't even know if I told, maybe I did tell back at the race at Georgia Jewel. This guy comes blasting, like I hear him behind me. And so, like, you know, what you're supposed to do is like let him buy you, whatever. So I let him buy me, and he goes, This is a race. Like, why are you let me buy you? I said, Well, I didn't want you to, like, you know, just go ahead. Soon he goes, Buy me. He falls flat on his face. I said, mm, man, he goes, man, I didn't fall all race. And I, and he gets up and goes, and he goes, all right, well, it was nice chatting with you. And he's like, good luck. I said, oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll catch up to 
you. And sure enough, I did. And he ended up getting fifth place and I got third. Hell yeah. That is fantastic. <laughs> I was like, see? Oh, that's wonderful. Dude, I love, I love savages like Jill. I mean, that's awesome. And can I say, you keep saying you and Becca are very similar. And I just need to say the obvious that you're both raging gingers. And this explains a lot about your intolerance to cold and the fact that you're both bat crap crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Becca and I actually enjoy being the villain sometimes. Feisty. Y'all are y'all can both be really mean. We like to show up as the villain sometimes. But and you're not, both really tough. It's not and it's not because we're evil. We just we just enjoy it's just funny to us, you know? It's a ginger thing. Yeah, I like talking crap. That's one of my favorite things. Like I love that in basketball. Talking smack I and in my head, I am talking so much crap to every runner I pass or that passes me. There are a lot of not nice things that I think. <laughs> <laughs> but when I talk to him, I'm like, yeah, girl, I'll get it, man. Great. But in my head, I am talking so funky to you. That is <laughs> that awesome. Is, I wish sometimes I could just like record it and play it later. They'd be like, oh my God, I cannot stand you. You are awful. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. I've met me. I've been up there. I've heard it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Becca, I think they are actually accepting females to SEAL training now. Um, uh, I think maybe Becca should go to SEAL training and be the, become the first female SEAL. I think you should. I think you would be a millionaire. Look, just go <laughs> Look, go down to the recruiter after this call, Becca. Get a SEAL contract, okay? Yep. Just go through BUDS. Just BUDS. It's just, it's just going to cost you about eight months of your life. When you get to the end, the last day of BUDS, um, well, actually graduate and then just quit. And get out of the Navy and write a book, and you're going to be set for the rest of your life. Perfect. All right. I love it. That okay. sounds great. I don't know why some woman hasn't done that yet. Like, the the the, the first woman that, that makes it through SEAL training, she doesn't have to do anything for the rest of her life. She has to go and suffer for six months. That's it. And then she's set for the I rest of her life. Awesome. Yeah, it's like, why has, there's enough crazy women out there that there's got to be one that can do this. It's a six-month investment. And then you write a book and you go on every news channel and and you're set for the rest of your Wait, life. Wait, you said eight months. Is it six or eight months? Well, month boot investment? camp is like two months and then buds is six months. And then you never, you don't have to do anything else. I'm rambling now. I'm sorry, guys. We got way off track with that, but... Um, I don't oh, know. I'm here for it. I love it. I just think Beck would be a good candidate for that. So, how how would her, when she goes to carry the boat on her head, it wouldn't reach her. She would be in the Smurf crew. Oh, yeah. She you'd be in the Smurf crew. There would be guys. There's there's plenty of guys as short as Becca. They're actually stronger. The short guys do better under the boat because they're just compact. You know. I could totally see Becca out in the surf, arms linked with everybody, being like, "You pussies." You complaining about this, like, just... No, Becca would be like me. She would not like that cold water. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Ooh, that might be a game changer. That was the hardest part. One of the hardest parts for me was surf torture. That cold water was just not for me. Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that being, like, one of the things that would just... Oof. But I got no doubt I'd do it. Yeah. If I make my mind up, I ain't quitting. That'd be awesome. All right, guys, we got to log off. Um, thank you guys for coming on. We love y'all. Hope to see you soon.
this this will come out here soon. I'll let you know when it comes out. Bye, ladies. Enough said. Bye. Bye. Thank you.